Hey Last Looks crew, kia ora, welcome and hello. Did you ever wonder if there was a similarity between bodywork done on cars and character makeups done on people? Sounds weird, right? Well, I had never thought of it, but my guest on the podcast today certainly had. Today I'm chatting with hair and makeup artist Jane O'Kane. A little backstory before we kick into it. Back in New Zealand, before I made the move to LA, I had the good fortune to work for Jane a couple of times. She was actually the first HOD to give me any kind of serious responsibility. She approached me about running background on the show Spartacus. I was pretty upfront with her and said I'd never done anything like that before, but she seemed pretty confident that I was the person for the job. Jane had never met or worked with me, but I guess through word of mouth, others thought I was up for the challenge. I ended up doing two seasons with Jane, one running background and the other working with cast. I have fond memories of these jobs, not only because Jane is incredibly skilled at managing a team, but that show was nuts. <laughs> and for a hair and makeup artist, so much fun. Shooting everything from insanely gruesome gladiator battles to big crazy party scenes and very interesting characters doing all sorts of wild things. So much nudity meant a lot of work for us makeup and hair folks. Spartacus was the show I was first introduced to the wonderful Merkin. Not something you forget in a hurry. I am forever grateful to Jane for those experiences and the people I met on those two seasons of the show. As you will hear in this chat, Jane has gone on to do so many wonderful projects and honestly I believe Jane to be one of the hardest working women I've ever had the pleasure to work for. This is The Last Looks Podcast, a show where we catch up with makeup artists and hairstylists working in the film and television industry around the world. And today we travel to Aotearoa, New Zealand and catch up with hair and makeup artist Jane O'Kane. Okay, enough of my blabbering, let's get into it. And now, a word from our sponsor. Parish Effects is a full-service effects lab and prop shop in New Orleans, Louisiana. Parish Effects specializes in fabricating custom props and practical effects that will take your production to the next level. Parish Effects works closely with you to ensure every detail is perfect, and their professional effects artists are available to work on set when needed. Parish Effects is your one-stop effects shop for makeup prosthetics, props, fabrication, and in-person special effects makeup classes. Parish Effects. Elevate your production today. Visit parisheffects.com. And now, our feature presentation. Picture Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Jane. Hello. Okay, so this is where our story begins. I want you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Mm -hmm. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Jane, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... I forgot you asked this question at the beginning of every podcast. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit, what do they say? <laughs> well, I can, be, I can be honest, and it would be um, a Formula One racing car driver. Yeah. Or a, or a uh, panel beater. Okay, so cars were definitely, <laughs> definitely in the forefront. But, uh, but cars were in the forefront, and I guess panel beating led me to um, perhaps make up a little bit somehow, weirdly. Okay, so where does the love for cars fit in? Uh, the love for cars probably is just from my father, who was a car man, basically, working for um, Rover, for heritage, the heritage collection of the British vehicles over there. Awesome. So, um, so that would be where it came in, and watching the Grand Prix with my dad, falling in love with Fleetwood Mac, 
and yeah, I guess that's the origin. And then we used to tinker away on old cars and I had classic cars. And so I sort of learned to uh, file down and rust and fill and bog up um, panels. And now I try and kind of do that on faces. <laughs> do that with actors. I love it. I love that crossover. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of in, into restoration. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that was probably what I wanted to be originally. And then I did art and then um, art turned into, yeah, I guess it's that combination of those two things. Interested in art and stuff through high school. Did you know by the time you were in high school that you were thinking about makeup or did that not come to a little bit later? Yeah, no, I I used to, my mum was a big amateur dramatics uh, theatre production person. Oh, cool. Um, And so, yeah, she used to do a lot of amateur dramatics and dragged me along with her and for the, for the first part of that experience, I was actually on the, on the stage and then soon realised I was probably better behind the stage. But, um, but yeah, that, I guess that's where it sort of started for me. I used to do um, special effects and makeup and wigs and stuff like that for the theatre productions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Where did you grow up? In a place called Solihull, just in the West Midlands okay. in England. In England, yeah. Yep. And so yep. was your mum on stage or was she just part of... Yeah, we were all on stage. Yeah, it was very, very amateur though, Jamie. Yeah, but... (laughs) Very amateur productions. But yeah, musicals. Musicals, which is now I detest musicals and pantomimes. (laughs) (laughs) And ironing. So my mother's given me all those things. (laughs) And ironing? (laughs) Ironing. Ironing and amateur dramatics. We're having to sing and iron at the same time. (laughs) No, I'm just thinking about all the things my mom used to like me doing. (laughs) That's awesome. I feel like there's something you kind of get a knee-jerk reaction when your mom wants you to do one thing and you're like, no, I want to do the opposite. Yes, true. Yeah, but but, but along the way, they've been very supportive of me um, getting into it. So yeah, I started in theatre in England. So um, I wasn't in film and television initially. I was in theatre. Okay. So obviously that's what started it all. Yeah. And then, so did you do any formal training or anything like after high school? Or... Yeah, so I went while I was in high school, realizing that I enjoyed turning people, restoring people, as we shall now say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My restoration products on stage, projects yeah. on stage. I guess I realized at that point that I was quite interested in it and um, it was a nice way of my art translating into something I, I could do as a job for a living. And so I reached out to the local professional theatre company, which to my luck was the Royal Shakespeare Company awesome, in Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah. And, and I actually worked for them. I was work experiencing with them for years from the age of about 16, 16, oh, cool. 17. Nice. So and just then, in um, your spare time, kind of weekends and... Exactly. And yeah. then I went and then I went through, I was told by this sort of career advisor of my school or whatever it was, that I had to be a hairdresser and had to do beauty and hair mm-hmm. to get into theatre. Right. So I did, a, I did a four year, which I did in three years, like um, two years hair and two years beauty therapy at a technical college in England. Okay. So I qualified as a hairdresser and a, a beauty therapist, which still makes me smile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because if you know me and and you do, you know that I'm really not not a beauty therapist, that kind of person. Yeah, but it's super handy to just have all that education behind it you. It is when super handy, working. yeah. 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 Um, so no, it, was, it has been good. And so then while I was in college, I worked at the theatre. And then when I left college after the three-year degrees, I then went to work for them full-time. Nice. After a bit of travelling. Yeah. 
That just made me actually remember with the beauty therapy thing because I remember going into the library in high school and looking up like exactly what a beauty therapist does. And <laughs> the, when it mentioned something about like waxing, I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to be a hairdresser. I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that's yeah. the one thing that kind of put me off. I was like, bikini uh, waxes? No. No, I don't want to do uh, that. that. Trust me, I've got some terrible stories of how to how to learn how to do that. We had to practice on each other, which um, oh, my my Jesus. my dear friend from college days, she's scarred basically. Yeah, I've never I've never done waxing since. Let me just tell you that. I'm a, oh my god! <laughs> give well, me a shaver. Give me a shaver, and I will steer clear of wax. Yeah, until the day I die. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! Yeah. So you go full time into working in theatre. I did, yeah. So that was um, in the, and this is in the eighties. So you've got to remember, beauty therapy in the eighties was when I did my training. So, yeah, it was hot wax back then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hot wax and muslin strips. Yeah. And a lot of bruising, bruising and bleeding. But yeah, so and perms, obviously, in the hairdressing world. So. Yeah. So 1986, I started my training. Yeah. So yeah, when I left, I left, um, I went traveling for a little bit in the States and then I started full time with them. I guess that was around 89 when mm -hmm. I was about 19. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you move to other theater companies or? Well, I was predominantly in Stratford. I'd go down to the Barbican to hand, do like handover of seasons because they would run for like a year. Yeah. And then we would often tour. We would often tour as well up to Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Yeah, and then I, I actually worked for another theatre company after the RSC. I moved up to Manchester and I worked for the Royal Exchange in Manchester as well. How do you get from theatre into TV film? When you started in theatre, were you just like, yep, this is me and this is where I'm going to stay? Or did you kind of have an idea that you wanted to? Yeah, I definitely had an idea, mostly, you know, just for a different creative challenge. I was, you know, theatre for eight years. So it was time for me to move into television and film. And I was quite excited by the idea of that and to be able to earn a bit more money because there was the theatre pay was terrible yeah. back then. And um, well, it still isn't that great, but it was really hard to get into. I don't have family or any your friends or anybody in the industry at that point so it wasn't a very easy move for me to get into television and film in England had friends that went to work for the BBC and you know there you can be like 10 years sweeping the floors before you're allowed to even put a wig on or it's quite difficult there at that time anyway yeah yeah but then when I went to travel in America I met my ex-husband Gwen who was a Kiwi and so he after a few years of living in Manchester, he wanted to move back here. Okay. And I was working with lovely Kate Winslet at the time on a theatre production in Manchester, and she had just been here doing Heavenly Creatures. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. And so she was like, oh, you've got to go to New Zealand, it's so cool, because I was umming and ahhing about moving to the other side of the world. And um, she kind of talked me into it, to be honest, because she was sort of like, the film industry is great, and you've got to work with this lovely woman called Marjorie Hamlin and you have to work with this director called Peter Jackson and I've just been with them and yeah so she was raving about it and um, I decided to move out here and see what happened and I guess the rest is history. <laughs> well we're going to keep talking about the rest. Still here. Still here. For God's sake. There's no escape. No there's no escape no I'm, so I'm still here. So when you first moved to New Zealand and I mean that is the other side of the world so yes. it is a big decision it is a big move what did you do when you first got there were you like contacting theater companies or 
Well, that, yeah, I soon realized there was no theater companies that mm-hmm. had a wig or hair department. Yeah. So um, I went to a film cruise agents and I can't remember, I think it was film crews. Okay. Initially, and they were, everyone was a little bit wary of, of the foreigner. And I went and asked where Marjorie Hamlin was working and um, how I could get hold of her. And I was given her contact details. So yeah. um, she at the time was running a show called Hercules that Pacific Renaissance were doing. And I um, sent her my CV and tried to reach out and didn't hear anything initially. And then I basically found the, the film agents had been saying, oh, it's really hard to get in. You know, you need to get your foot in the door and you need to meet people. And, and I was like, well, help me get my foot in the door and meet people. And she basically rang me the next day and said, how serious were you about getting your foot in the door? And I said, why? She said, have you ever done reception work? And I was like, uh, yes, yes, yes. And um, I find myself on the Pacific Renaissance reception desk, which is the place where I knew Marjorie was working. Oh, okay, nice. And, and that's, that was how I got my foot in the door. I went and saw Marjorie at lunchtime and I was just like, I'm not really a receptionist. And you've got my CV. And she's like, oh, yes, I just was just looking at that. And then um, she then needed somebody to work on the extras department, uh, makeup yeah. and hair. And she rang me the next day and, or a few days after I'd met her on reception and um, got me on the job. And so then, then I started working for Marjorie. Yeah, and you're like, I'm sorry, I can't be your receptionist anymore. I'm just going to be over here <laughs> I was doing makeup. Really bl- yeah, I was bloody hopeless at it anyway. I cut Rob Taffer off a few times. <laughs> Did you at any point name drop Kate Winslet in the conversation to be like, oh, Kate actually told me to get hold of you? I probably, I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, at the t- obviously at the time, Kate Winslet wasn't very well known. I probably would have said to Marjorie, that yeah. I've been working with Kate, yes. And I do remember that she loved Kate. So yeah, that probably did help me a little bit. Little does Kate know. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you remember at all what your first kind of thoughts and feelings were going in for those first few days and kind of getting the lay of the land and seeing how it all works? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, I guess it was all very overwhelming and I didn't know anything about film at the time. But I guess to my advantage, the makeup on Xena and Hercules was quite theatrical. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, the, the actual tasks of the job felt kind of easy for me, or at least, you know, achievable. Yeah. But, um, but just the whole, I do remember being very confused about like, what, what do they mean the gate? Nobody's checking the gate. I can see the gate, you know. <laughs> I've just came through the gate. gate. We're on a fa- the farm gate, you know. Like I do remember all those weird, just getting your head around what's, you know, all the film lingo and yeah. just the way it rolls on set, um, which of course has now changed completely anyway. But then it was very different. But yeah, I guess I, I was a bit overwhelmed, but I just was lucky enough to start working on quite theatrical productions from the beginning. Yeah. And was it the same production company that did both Hercules and Xena? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. then, I, yeah, I was with Marjorie for only a short time, I think. From memory, Hercules was actually winding down and Xena was starting up. Yeah. I went and did The Frighteners with Marjorie, the, the film The Frighteners. That was my first feature film with her. Oh, that's and cool. And then, then I came back and that's actually when I, I met Weta and, you know, did a work, bit of work with Weta and then came back and started getting into prosthetics more at that point. Okay. With Marjorie on that. And then I came back. I do remember working for KMB. We might have to check my... I, I need to check my CV sometimes. I can't remember what order things happen, but I do remember working for KMB 
on Hercules or Weta on Hercules or something. And that's when I started getting into prosthetics. Awesome. Mm. I love that you, I mean, ever since I've known you, I've just known that you have a, a really good grasp on all areas with wigs, with right. hair, with makeup, with prosthetics. And it's just, I think it's must have absolutely helped you to kind of get to where you are now and mm. designing what you do and the jobs that you are head of department of, just because you're so knowledgeable in all those areas, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, yeah, I do feel like I've got a broad sort of cover of, especially in sort of character makeup stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like definitely wigs and hair, and then definitely sort of prosthetics and character makeups. I never really went to beauty school, and I tend to not really just do straight beauty makeup jobs, although Obviously, I, I do them and I enjoy them, but I'd say my strengths are more in the sort of character makeups and development of character with a bit of restoration involved. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess is it just sort of kind of followed through from theatre and just being really character I think so. driven? Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. And like I worked um, initially on Xena. I was on the second unit, Xena, for three years, which I still feel is probably one of the the most you know the best experience I've gained in my entire time and and just because you're basically turning absolutely a different thing into you know some of the doubles back then you know we'd have like a four foot eight like jockey come in and double Xena or you know and had to <laughs> shave his shave his legs and put a wig on him or or turn you know do a bold cap on the fly onto someone that had a huge big head of hair and turn them into a character because it was all about doubles back then as as a true second unit was yeah and I think I do think that sort of gained me a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience in in just having to put things together at a speed yeah that's how I kind of developed you coming up with new ideas of how to do something just troubleshooting and trying to troubleshooting yeah, to make it work yeah, yeah yeah it's just grab that do this <laughs> polish that <laughs> just bog that <laughs> <laughs> Great, we're sorted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'd say that was probably the best time for learning. Yeah, and you're right, it did give me quite a broad spectrum of experience way back then. I love it. I mean, your IMDB is pretty impressive. I kind of knew a lot of it anyway, but I just did a, you know, had a quick peruse before we started speaking. <laughs> so, but I would I love to have done know. Too. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Jane, do your homework on yourself. Um, <laughs> My memory. If you could kind of think of a couple of projects that you've done that you look back on fondly, that are your favourites. I guess favourite, there's a few, I've got a few favourites, I would say. There's some of them are favourites because of the people and the mm -hmm. the experience, um, yeah. the, the countries that it's taken to me to, or, you know, the places I've travelled to, the people I've worked with. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are more creative and um, challenging from that point of view, yeah. which I always love a challenge. And so if I was to name them, I'd yeah. probably have to look at my IMDb page too. But um, <laughs> some, I, some I'll think of some more recent because my, my long-term memory is fading. I did do a film recently. It's actually not released yet. I don't even know whether it's on my IMDb page, but I did a film called Kung Fury not too long ago. And, okay. Um, that took me overseas. We were in Sofia, which I loved being in Bulgaria. And um, we were also back in Germany, which I've always enjoyed working in Germany. Awesome. And that was just creatively, that was, so not only was it taking me traveling to some interesting places, it was with a lovely group of people who I've worked with often. And um, 
creatively it was quite inspiring because it was a film that goes through time traveling of pretty much every character you can possibly think of was in that film oh far out so yeah that was pretty cool and we had, and it was a fairly low budget and it was a, again a bit like those days where you just have to pull things together mm -hmm. from nothing and um and it had also a few interesting characters i had the pleasure of working with a few cool cast and turning them into some fun we had Arnold Schwarzenegger as a president in the 1980s, which was quite fun. That's awesome. And um, David Hasselhoff. Um, oh, amazing. I had to turn him back into how he was in the 80s on Knight Rider. Amazing. I certainly was that. Oh, my God. Um, I think that was like my first, one of my first serious crushes as a young really? girl. As a little girl, I was just like, really? oh, my God, he is amazing. His hair is oh, amazing. Well, the car is amazing. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Yeah, well, I had to give him back that amazing hair. Awesome. I mean, he's still got a pretty good head of hair, but yeah, it was actually one of the most um, memorable moments was doing that makeup and seeing him look into the mirror. And I, you know, I did a bit of I did a bit of low rent face pull, you know, face lifting mm. under the wig, which I'm sure you've done, and a, a bit of that and a bit of makeup and shading and all the right places and highlighting in the right places. Yeah. Then I put the wig on him and. Um, which was perfectly made to look like it used, his hair used to. Amazing. And he just started laughing and laughing and laughing. And it was actually the two of us started laughing. We had tears rolling down our eyes because cause it was just the most hilarious thing just to see him. Yeah. Who I, I'm not sure how old he is now, but he's, God, he must be in his seven, early 70s maybe. Wow, yeah, yeah. And, um, and yeah, just to see him transform back, it was pretty funny. So it's awesome. Yeah, so that was fun. And Arnie, and Arnie was, you know, the, an 80s president, so I made him look younger and he just, I mean, he just led into the, being the president quite well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. And there was just all sorts of characters in that film. So that was, a, that was probably one of my favourite recent projects. Yeah, yeah. And when you think back of, I love to talk about, or well, as you said, that you enjoy a challenge. So... Thinking back, what would have been one of the more challenging projects that you've done, whether it's just like the shoot itself or the makeups that you were doing were incredibly challenging? What comes to mind when you think of? Um, I guess at what Guns Akimbo was quite challenging when we were we were over in um, Munich and we were filming a bad guy over there and um, I can't even remember the character name now, isn't that terrible? But I had to give him a full head of tattoos yeah. Richter, that was his name. And I didn't really have the ability to get them done professionally or properly. And so it was pretty much me hand drawing on a cling film template of his head because I couldn't even life cast him. And then just, you know, translating those as we do onto a computer through Photoshop and then into printing them on a old printer in the back of the office that I found wow. on some slide paper. And, you know, doing those sorts of things, I was... But I really love those sorts of challenges. But yeah. um, but I guess looking back, it's kind of stressful because you know it's on set the next day, or and you're still drawing them. Oh my god! <laughs> Jane O'Kane does not sleep. <laughs> no. So those were stressful times. But 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 still, it kind of worked out all right. And yeah. you know, you just get there in the end without all the fandangled technology. Sometimes it's but going back to the basics. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a good thing you know how to do those basics. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's a um, few shortcuts, I guess, I, I, I've made now since I've done them a few times. 
Yeah. But that was challenging. And then the job I'm just wrapping up on now has been quite challenging simply because I've I've sort of branched away, not away, I've branched further into overseeing animatronics and visual effects interaction and character development for the hybrids on Sweet Tooth. That's what oh, I'm, I'm wow. actually the hybrid creative director is my title. And so that's actually been really cool because it's all on, mostly on children. Yeah. So that's been a, a real challenge because we're having to create wearable items really that you can put on and take off a child very quickly. But that's been quite challenging, not having the ability to do a full prosthetics makeup that might take you two or three hours. You've got a child in the chair for like 30 minutes because mm. <laughs> of their child hours. So yeah, hardly any prosthetics. So we've done a few on the older kids, but but again, very minimal things. So oh, wow. So that's been challenging. So it's a mix of actual physical animat like pieces yeah, that like where you move with animatronics, but then yeah, the costume, visual effects kind of yeah. Some of it's visual effects um, interacted as well. Wow. Otherwise, it's all um, most of it's practical effects, and mm -hmm. we've sort of introduced animatronics into the, the wearables so that things move and they look real rather yeah, yeah. than it just being a costume. And then we've also sort of cleverly put in a few prosthetics here and there to make it look like part of them as well because they're half animal half human yeah so like we've created these like wings for example and made a fake arm on her arm which is what the wings are on so instead of having the wings attached to her arm they're attached to a you know a silicon sort of sleeve if you like oh, things wow. like that so yeah. i've been working i've had the pleasure of working all that out with jason doherty Working with him and Shay Lawrence, who you probably know, and um, yeah. and an amazing animatronics team led by Grant Lehman from Australia. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool because we've worked. We're in within one workshop that we're doing prosthetics and wigs and hair and animatronics all all out of the same workshop. So it's wow. been quite cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, are the animatronic stuff is that all kind of wireless now? Like when somebody... um, some of it is. Yes, yeah, some of it is still um, rod puppeteered yeah so we've got we've got puppeteers that work on set with them in their little you know in their tight gray suits <laughs> glad I've not had to wear one of those and then, <laughs> your day will and come then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably at the most embarrassing point in my life where I where I'm completely had over told told to put one on and I don't need to but um <laughs> That would be like me, but um, but yeah, no, most of it is RC, but remote controlled, and like we've got these wolf characters, and mm. they're really cool because they've got like full animatronic muzzles, full animatronic tails, and so they snarl and they their nose wrinkles, you know, their everything moves, their ears move, their tails move, that's and so, so cool. yeah, yeah, it's just been fun as well. Like I've d done all the design, worked with lovely Nori Honda doing ZBrush initially, which is, is if you don't know, that's like a program on the computer that's like sculpting in clay but digitally. Yeah. So um, so I've been doing all that um, with him, and then we've been using a lot of 3D printing, and a lot of the design is done digitally. So that's quite fun. See, this is what I love, Jane, is that when you came on and signed into this program that we're using to record, and you're like, I don't know about tech stuff, and then you're just, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, but you you do know the tech exactly. stuff that you know. So yeah, I mean, get I'm... me in a room with ZBrush and animatronics, and I'm going to be like, Jane, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've got some great people around me. It's all about teamwork. I'm standing there telling telling them I want that 
bigger or that smaller and they know how to do that. I'm not the one actually doing that. And I'll start off with my, I do very basic. I learned, taught myself Photoshop in lockdown and I do use a few, a bit of my own sort of Photoshop work just to get my point across because I'm not yeah. very good at doing that in dialogue. I'm better doing that in a visual. So um, I'll tend to start off with a very basic Photoshop design and then they'll take it from there and put it into a, you know, I've got a lovely illustrator that's done some amazing illustration for me, Ben Wooden, on this show. And then he'll turn my crappy little Photoshop into a piece of art. And then the um, ZBrush guy will turn my ideas into a 3D form. Wow. So that, yeah, so it's been fun, but it's not been without help from professionals <laughs> yeah. that know what they're doing. That's awesome. But you must have learned so much on this project, like being yeah. involved with all of these professionals. Like That's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool because often you work with them, you know, like um, you weren't you on Ghost in the Shell with us? No. Mm -mm. No. Oh, I get, I'll get mixed up. You see my memory. But, you know, there's jobs like that where we've had um, integrated with visual effects or, you know, things that have got animatronics or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get used to when you start doing those sorts of characters, you do get used to working with those departments. But for it to be all under one roof was really cool. That's what's been very special about this. It's sort of pulled it all together in one place. Yeah, I love that they've gone in that direction rather than just trying to do it all with the effects. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's been lots of it is very practical because of it's I mean, it's just hugely expensive, as you know, the visual effects side of it. So yeah, there's only a few elements like we had a bird. We did the wings practically and then her legs were put in with visual effects, for example. Yeah. So there's just little things here and there. We've built a full animatronic baby walrus. It's really oh cool. God. It must be so adorable. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It looks like something from The Simpsons. But it's, yeah, um, <laughs> it's still adorable. Yeah, it's still adorable. I think yeah. the jury's, a lot of people, the jury's still out. It's like, I don't know, I don't know whether a baby walrus is cute. But um, no, he was pretty cute. But he was fully, fully, um, you know, full animatronics. But then visual effects will help enhance the eyes on close-ups and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So That's that so was cool. quite cool. The kids must love it too. The little actors must be like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is, it's, it is fun. They, they do love it. And, and especially like the wolf kids, for example, they went through four months of, of boot camp to mm -hmm. even just in training to be able to walk on all fours because I wouldn't let them stand up. So as <laughs> part of the design brief that I gave, I was like, there's no way we're going to do wolves if they're going to stand on two legs. Yeah. So um, I was involved in the casting as well, which was awesome. And so went through all these gymnasticals in Auckland and found oh, wow. kids that were capable of walking on all fours. And then basically had about, yeah, four months of three times a week. They'd be here in the evenings after school, putting them through their wolf paces. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is going to no, be a great cool. party tr trick when they're like six. I know. Well, TikTok, <laughs> yeah, TikTok wolf dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just going to keep smashing your memory to pieces. But mm -hmm. if you want to have a think about what has been one of your maybe all-time favourite characters that you've created. You mean as far as my favourite actor or favourite character? I think like character creation. So character one creation. that you've kind of, I guess, really enjoyed coming up with, doing the oh, yes. makeup and then seeing it on screen and being like, oh shit, yeah, I love it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess on this show as well, because that's as far as my memory goes back, where there was one character that was a, a, an adult hybrid, and he was fun. It was played by the lovely Nathaniel Lees, 
Mm-hmm. This is shooting in New Zealand, obviously. Yeah. Um, New Zealand actor. And he was a, initially a three and a half hour prosthetics. We got it down to about two and a half hours. And that was really cool because it was not only fun to design, he was basically an old deer, which I can't, can't say without laughing. He was a hundred year old hybrid deer. Wow. Um, and so he was, I got these digi legs from England and he was on stilts basically, that we turned into deer legs. And, um, and then he was a, a very extensive sculpted prosthetic maker. And, I, and it was really fun because myself, Jason and Shay did that makeup together. Mm-hmm. As I say, it was the only prosthetic makeup we've really had the ability to be able to do because the actor was old enough to sit in the chair for that long. Right. <laughs> and be, in the, be on the set for that long. And did he have to learn to walk on stilts or did he already know how? We had a double. So we, okay. we initially tried to have a cast member that was able to basically play the role and be on stilts. But then we really wanted Nathaniel Lees to play the role and, and you know, love him. He, tried, he did go on stilts, but not without a harness. We wouldn't, mm. uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, let him go on the stilts. It would have <laughs> horrified me if anything had gone wrong. So we had, a, we had a trained circus performer on the stilts for all the wide shots. Awesome. Yeah. How high were but they? He was, they made him about seven foot two, I think his total okay. height was. Yeah, the height, right. they were about half a metre off the floor. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, enough to break your, <laughs> break your neck. Yeah, especially when you've got all the prosthetics and everything on as well, you're kind of like... Yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah. So he had a full full cowl, a full skull cap. He had animatronic ears. Wow. So he was quite an extensive build, but really, really fun character to do. How do you, I mean, it sounds like on a lot of your projects, you are given, you are the go-to person for designing characters from start to finish. Like I know a lot of head of departments may, the production may outsource that type of thing, like go to a workshop to get the designs done and then you kind of facilitate that and make it happen. But a lot of the productions in New Zealand seem to be going to you to do that kind of from start to actually make it happen. So how do you approach your character design? Like where do you start when you're when you're trying to come up with how something should look? I guess it's a good thing to think about. I guess each project seems to be a little different with the approach. I mean, obviously, mm. if it's a historical thing and you're just creating a character that exists, then it's really all about research, which I love doing. And I tend to get absorbed into stories like World War One films or whatever mm. I've done in the past. You know, I sidebar onto all sorts of stories of the real people in real action. And I guess that's the research puts me in that world. And then mm. it leads me to think about what they look like and maybe they are a literal version of a historical character and obviously that that goes without saying is a lot easier Um, but sometimes it's a challenge of how you turn the casting choice into that character so there's the challenge lies there you know like how do you turn somebody that doesn't look like Adolf Hitler into Adolf Hitler for example or something like that yeah but then if it's a if it's a character that design that's not from a resource initially, I mm. guess it's more about delving into the world of the project itself and um, really listening to to the showrunner or the director and and getting the vibe of what they're after and what they're wanting the audience to relate to. Yeah, I always find that quite an interesting thing that's easy to overlook. Sometimes you get into designing just for what you think. 
mm-hmm. rather than for what they want. And right. um, so, yeah, like, are you trying to appeal to the audience? Um, are you trying to gain their sympathy for this character? Are you trying to gain their attraction to this character or their fear of this character? Or I guess that's something that you start with. Well, that's something I start with and then go from there. And how, I mean, is that just a gut instinct of knowing what visually someone might be sympathetic towards or be afraid of? I mean, everyone sees things a little differently. So is that just kind of the pool of production people that you're working with? So costume and the showrunners and producer, like creative producers, director, kind of having their input as to what may push it in one push more, it like, yeah, in a direction. direction. The other. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, s- I sort of start with bringing lots of ideas of different things. Like it's, you don't want to just do your own version mm-hmm. um, straight away. <laughs> you tend to end up with your own version. Right. But, um, <laughs> but you know, you kind of start with what you're sort of led to understand they're looking for and you, you soon get a... a a sort of a beat on the style that's the project you know you work closely with the production designer and the costume designer and you you soon get a feel for the the style of the show and so obviously there's a certain thing certain style of the character that will fit into that world mm-hmm. or not so I think you you start there and you start with then bringing in your ideas and slowly introducing different thoughts or asking the, them simply, you know, the showrunners or directors, whoever you're dealing with or the producers, like, what is it you like about this and what is it you don't like about this? And just you slowly wean your way through to a resolve, I think. Yeah. So it's, a, it's almost like a continuous consultation with multiple parties to kind of get people's thoughts, thoughts and feelings and, yeah. and then have yeah. your input as to being yeah. a professional the- who's kind of going to have to actually execute this <laughs> that's right and then and then you get then they cast the role and then you go through the whole thing again with the actor because you're like and, oh and shit <laughs> because of course it's really huge what they bring to the character as well so yeah and that can often change a direction completely like you you know i've, I've always said a an initial design before you've got the cast if it's mm. like, if it's on a cast member then you know you've got to really lean to the performer to make it work so so sometimes what you start with changes com- a completely different direction yeah I don't think you should ever fall in love with anything before you're actually <laughs> no no you know I've I've made that mistake where I've been trying to force a design on a on a performer's face mm. and you soon you know after a little while it's not working it's not working it's because it's not meant to be on that face you know it's right. like you're trying to force something onto somebody that's not working basically yeah then they can't it doesn't work on them so then you you just have to then readapt things and I think you just have to also be prepared to admit you might be wrong with things yeah and just (laughs) completely let it go and start again with something completely yeah 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 Yeah. totally but so I mean the casting has a huge as you well know it has a huge Mm. impact on the character and um that was why it was quite cool to be involved in casting on this show because I was able to work with casting to find kids that lean into the characters that we were trying to develop yeah which was cool and so I mean now you've been designing and been head of department for many many projects can you remember a point where you kind of had that feeling of okay I know what I'm doing now (laughs) no I think the day that day comes on maybe you should retire I don't I don't don't want to ever 
feel that I've nailed it. Right. <laughs> I like it. So, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I've got I've got confidence in it. Yeah. But I think that you're always having to drive. I think I like always driving for improvement. Right. And I, I think the day that you feel you've completed that task to its full, to its fullest, then maybe it's time to stop. Time to move on, on to another challenge. <laughs> I don't know, is that weird? I just, uh, uh, yeah. No, not at all, because I, I mean, uh, every job's different. You have a different crew coming in. You've got a different yeah. team of people that you're working with and you're yeah. figuring it out every time, I suppose, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you was to be arrogant enough to say, you know, you've nailed it, mm. there's something wrong. <laughs> I like it. And when you're putting your team together, what, what are you looking for normally? Um, energy is very important to me. So a good energy, mm -hmm. an energy that fits with mine and fits with the rest of the team. That's not going to throw the team out of balance or throw into the team any sort of difficulties that aren't necessary when we're all yeah. working hard. So yeah, a good energy, a good attitude, a good positivity, a good passion for what we do. So people are there for the right reasons in the team. And obviously, obviously creative abilities is, is important as well. And talent for the role is important as well. But, but I think the energy of that person and the, the collaborative nature of their themselves within a team. I mean, I don't mind people being on their own and within the team. And I get that sort of secular sort of working ethic but yeah just to be able to create a nice energy where we work in our working space we do long hours as we you know and mm. there's no room for dramas and yeah. yeah you can be an amazing hair and makeup person but if you're a dickhead just... <laughs> <laughs> no one's got time for it <laughs> only you can use that term on your own podcast <laughs> and i wasn't going to say that but it's <laughs> all right you can agree <laughs> I do agree yeah but nice people I mean I I do feel like I've, I only get to work with people all my friends in in New Zealand are people through work yeah. you know I haven't grown up here I haven't had haven't had time to build any friendships outside of the industry here yeah so yeah so I think it's really important to find people that you gel with and you can work with and spend a lot of time most of your time with yeah you've got your film family <laughs> yeah and what do you find most enjoyable about this line of work uh, I guess the challenges that you know the the challenges that are inspiring and creative challenges but also there is challenges along the way where you know that you find in in management and management of your own team but also you know man in management above yourself and mm -hmm. I guess those are always challenges challenging my patience <laughs> so maybe and that's the least enjoyable my, part in my integrity <laughs> right. yeah it, it is the least enjoyable but also it, it I do enjoy a challenge and so if some, somebody or an individual is is challenging my integrity or my mm. patience I enjoy that because you know it's all part of it really isn't it yeah it's funny I think I think it really does benefit us in this industry to be up for a challenge because if you're yeah, not totally. I think you just get trampled that's just... true <laughs> and I don't enjoy the process of that challenge I'm not saying I enjoy that mm. but I enjoy the 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 troubleshooting of it I enjoy the resolution of it and the yeah. positive the positive resolves to those situations I enjoy that yeah absolutely and I love to know especially because you are a mum so mm -hmm. with this work-life balance and 
the insanity that is the film industry <laughs> with the hours and all that kind of stuff. How do you balance work life? Because uh, we have so many younger people coming in are pretty fresh yes. to this industry and they're always just like, these hours are insane. How am I ever going to have a yeah, life? Yeah, yeah. So I always just yep. love to ask people how they manage that. that yeah yeah I mean I it, that's probably the challenge I don't enjoy um mm. is being away from my son and um when I was fortunate enough when he was little that um him and his dad would travel with me and be on jobs with me and so if I was away I wasn't away for too long um mm. he's got older now and so it's not so easy to travel fortunately I haven't traveled for four years because of COVID yeah so it hasn't really become an issue but yeah I was fortunate enough to have him with me for a lot of the time and it was very difficult in the, in the early days I won't lie because he was only uh, I think three months we went to England and then I think he was five months old when we came back from the UK and I started work on um Evil Dead yeah. And the only reason I remember the film I was working on then was because I remember breastfeeding him and I was trying to read the script. Oh, and, Lord. Um, <laughs> and I remember, like, trying to read the script in a, in a jovial kind of, like, motherly sort of way. I was like, and then her head, her head was sliced off and the blood was everywhere, and, you know. And he found it, he found it most enjoyable. Um, because he could only, you know, refer to the tonal changes of my voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh I do God. remember that was quite funny. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was very difficult. We were doing night shoots, and I didn't. I hardly slept at all. I think I was more of a zombie than any of the zombies I was making up. Yeah, it was difficult. I won't lie. Those early days, especially when I was still feeding him, or just you know wanting to be a mother. Like I remember driving off to work after giving him a morning feed at you know five in the morning or whatever time it is we're leaving and you, my breasts would be literally like I feel like one of those heifer the, is it a heifer cow when they have their calves taken away from them and they're right they're like mm, they're, yeah. they're low grown like the pain of that is quite hard and yeah. it's phys it's physical pain um and it's also you know just a real mental pain to leave your child at such a young age but he was with his dad so I was never feeling like I had left him stranded but, but yeah, just personally, I would have, it was difficult to be away. Yeah. So you had that support system with his dad and that type of thing to kind of help yeah. balance that out. Yeah, that's cool. Totally, nice. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he was working in, initially just part time and a few days a week. And we, we did have a friend of mine was a, a nanny for me and she would bring him in, you know, Tobes into work and I'd be like breast pump in a meeting <laughs> under a towel. <laughs> <laughs> I do I remember love it. that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, now it's, um, but yeah, I've had the fortune of his father always being there to look after him. So that's good. And he comes to work with me when he can as well, which is cool. And and he's very, now he's, now he's older. He's very, um, he helps me with um, like concepts that I do. And he gives me pointers, tells me what he likes and he doesn't like, what's going to work, what's not going to cool. work. Yeah. yeah, he's quite, he's quite involved now, which is nice. Well, I mean, it's pretty exciting to have a mum that's doing such creative stuff and ends up being something that you can see on screen. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's. I mean, it doesn't seem to phase him, but I guess he's been around it so much. He doesn't have, know any different. <laughs> no, <laughs> isn't that normal? <laughs> that's awesome. When he gets into some deep discussions later on about, you know, if we're talking to his friends that parents are accountants or something and he'll be like oh yeah yeah I'm pretty 
pretty lucky. Mm. Uh. <laughs> but I'm pretty bad. Like I always remember um, working with the lovely Gino mm. um, and his daughter Ruby. Um, I remember I remember him doing her Halloween makeup, and she had the full like Planet of the Apes, like full prosthetic Planet of the Apes awesome. outfit on for Halloween. And I and I and I've just met. He set that bar so high. I've never really. I leave all that to to Treff, his dad, actually, to do the Halloween looks because yeah. it's like, if I if I can't do Planet of the Apes, just you know. Let's just forget about it. You also have to understand that Gino's American and like Halloween <laughs> is in his blood. Like it just Yeah, true. You know, it is true. It is the season. Especially yeah, for a for a makeup artist. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm usually I I'm ironically I'll be the I'll be the mother that's running around Kmart because it's the only place after hours and trying to find a, a red lipstick to turn him into because I don't own one at home, you know, turning him into a vampire and putting blood like that that's more likely me that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) it's like you're not spoiled with my makeup on you (laughs) no (laughs) that's great and so after years of experience what's one thing you wish you'd known or been told before getting into this line of work i don't really know how to answer it because i don't think I got told anything and I'm probably quite glad I got told nothing. Ignorance is bliss, is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah, ignorance is bliss. I might not be here today talking to you if I had known half the things I've learned. No, I don't, I, no, there was probably nothing was told to me. As I say, I didn't really know anyone in the industry or I I didn't really have an upbringing where I was aware of Mm. any of it. So it's probably good that I came in with an open mind. And yeah. a blank, a blank mind. Yeah, and you just figured it out mind. and worked figured it all it out. out as you're yeah. going along and going, oh, okay, yes. this is what Nothing it's about. Nothing was preconceived. Yeah, true. <laughs> and it keeps changing as well. I mean, from you talking about what your last job has been and how, I guess, is quite different on a daily basis what you've been doing to yeah. other other projects. So Yeah, they, they do change, and that's that's what's cool about it. That's how I think you can never really know. You can't say you've nailed it because there's always going to be a sidebar right around the corner just to hit you over the head (laughs) and take you out. Yeah, I love it. So if I had you at your workstation and you had all your bits and pieces and I took something away from you, what would you not want to be without? What would you not want to work without on a daily basis? Um, well, there's all, there is these two RCMA. Anyone that's worked with me will always will laugh if they're listening to this because they'll go, <laughs> tell her about the S10, S11. So there's two RCMA cream colors that I have always tried to throw out of my kit and they always wean their way back in because I can never find anything quite as good. Did you just um, say S10 and 11? S10 and S11. Lady, I feel like I was introduced to those through you on Spartacus, maybe. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm still still bloody using them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I know whether that RCMA make them anymore, but I still try and find them by thick or thin. I know on this job we tried, because of course ones that have been in my kit since Spartacus you probably shouldn't use, and I don't think I still have them. But trying to find them is actually quite hard now. We recently tried to find buying some and there's, they're hard to find. New. And tell me, tell me why you love them. Uh, just because they replicate the color, the natural colors. Um, I think they give a realistic sort of shade around the eye. And obviously, you know, I mean, I love my ink palettes. Don't get me wrong. It's another 
I couldn't go without my character palette or my capillary palette. But, mm. you know, you can't put those alcohol products close to the eye. And I think those cream colours just finish everything off for me. They just bring the realism into the face. Yeah, as soon as you said, I was like, I vividly remember being <laughs> yeah. given given some makeup items and they had the, the label, I think they'd maybe been depotted or something. Yeah, and like Pacific Renaissance. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, with the little uh, <laughs> labels on them. Yeah, yes, I remember those. They've been going, yes, we've many shows have done those, I think. But they, yeah, they're, they're pretty cool products to have any kit. Hopefully they still make them, yeah. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. But I wouldn't do without that. And, yeah, I don't know what else, really. There's I mean, it used to be the pig was a thing of mine that has now become a bit of a nobody would do without one on set. But, you know, the standby kit on set. Yeah. You've probably heard of that too, the pig. Well, I have. And I've actually, that is something that I have continued to call it. (laughs) um and I I think the last time somebody was just like the pig and I was just like well I don't know why it's called that but I feel like it's because it's a pig of a fucking thing to to carry around (laughs) to carry around yeah that's exactly right yeah that was the name I gave my standby kit when I first had one on Xena days and I used to call it that because it was a pig of a thing to haul around yeah and now yeah now we see that revive itself on on different shows it always makes me smile but yeah i love it so perhaps we shouldn't be without one of those either yeah you should um come up with your own line of pigs (laughs) (laughs) yeah love it it's a good idea i'll I'll have a talk to georgia see if we can bring it into lsb i like it i like it (laughs) Um, and who would you like to hear on the podcast well i would have of course jumped to marjorie hamlin who Mm -hmm. was my mentor and my first person to hire me here in New Zealand. But that's a challenge to you, Jamie Lee, to get get Marjorie Hamlin to do one of these. What do you think my chances are? Fair to middling, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good to know. Maybe, 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 maybe. I mean, she would be lovely to talk to. I'd love to hear her stories. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, I don't know whether you haven't done Shay or Jason yet. No. So there you go. Jason Doherty, please. And Shay okay. Lawrence, please. Like it. Awesome. <laughs> and then have you done um, my dear friend in the UK, Nick, Nicola Buck? Nick Buck? No. Oh, well, there you go. There's another okay. one. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to get contact details off you so I can okay. start stalking people. Start stalking. But you've done Rabano. You've done Tammy. You've done quite a few now. Tammy's the, um, the one other person that mentioned Marjorie. And in, in her story, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. Well, Marjorie really was the the sort of pioneer when both Tammy and I. I think Tammy came out here probably much the same time I did, or maybe a year before. Can't remember. But sure. yeah, I think Marjorie was probably the person we both met when we first came to New Zealand. Really, that was doing it all. Doing it all. She was literally, yeah. Yeah. And she can't, and her approach was very much in my world as well. Very, you know, the sort of creative, artistic mm. kind of approach, which was um, pretty cool. Well, Jane, this has been fascinating because I oh. have never known your story. So this has been really cool. Right. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, Last Looks crew, thanks for listening. And remember, if you love it, share it. A quick scroll down and you'll find our show notes. Or maybe you'd like to give your support and leave a five-star review. Go on, I know you want to. 
Search The Last Dogs Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, whichever one tickles your fancy. And a massive shout out to the husband, Brett Stanley. Without his patience and tech support, this whole podcast situation simply does not happen. And cheers to Liliana Rose for her fabulous voice acting talents. Okay, Last Looks crew, that's a wrap for me. I don't need to be told twice to get out of here. So bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.